Hi, and welcome to another podcast of The Library is Open. My name is Jessica Zarrow, and today we have two special guests with us, uh, Nate Carulla, who is the owner and CRO of Bywater Solutions. Hello, Nate. Hello. And Cheryl Gould, who is our special guest from Fully Engaged Libraries. Hello, Cheryl. Hello, Jessica. Uh, I had the privilege of working with Cheryl when I first started with Bywater Solutions back in 2015. She came to an on-site training with us um, in South Dakota, and it was a very wonderful experience uh, for me. It was a learning experience along with the learning that we did with our library, so I am really excited uh, to have Cheryl join us. Uh, Cheryl, can you just, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself? I live in Petaluma, California. I've been working with libraries uh, for about 25 years doing uh, sort of training and professional development work. Uh, I was the training director for, for Info People in uh, California for 12 years and through that I got connected to all parts of the library, whether it was about being entrepreneurial or weeding or story time um, or cataloging, uh, and also got to know many of the people who were sort of at the top of their game in each of those topics. So I have a sort of a wide, a broad net in the library world. But in fact, it's important to know I have never actually been a librarian. I I am not a librarian. And that is totally fine because you've worked with libraries for so long, you know their feelings, you know the things that happen in libraries, and you've been working with them for so long that you can relate to, you know, things that happen. So I, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the libraries. So they're yeah. they're they're definitely feel it feels like home to me. I love learning. I love um, trying to equalize access to information. I love the ethics. Uh, all parts of it are kind of uh, match my values. Wonderful. Well, Nate and I were talking, we were going to do a presentation at Computers and Libraries this spring and due to life events, you know, uh, things are happening in the world and the conference was postponed and we were going to talk about you know some of the things that happen when our libraries implement a new ILS you have individuals that you know are nervous about a migration you have people that are excited about an you know a migration um, and and change management in general is can be very frightening for people and you know there's things that we can do to help people go through the experience in a positive, you know, positive light. Um, and we immediately thought of you, Cheryl, because we know that you have this great expertise working with people. And so we wanted to bring you in to kind of talk about some of the challenges that you've seen um, and, and some ways to handle that. So I'm gonna jump into one of our first questions, okay? That sounds great. All right, so what do you think is the most challenging aspect when dealing with, you know, technological changes in our example, such as migrating an ILS or an LSP? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest challenge is, is giving people enough predictive information uh, so that they're not frightened by what's happening and, and trying to find a way to get people excited about what's happening. Uh, and so I think one of the, again, the thing to do is to try to let people know what's coming and why it's coming. 
So as a, um, as a trainer person, I'm going to just give you a little bit of, I do a lot of change management uh, training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talk about that you need uh, to have purpose. You have to communicate that purpose. Like, why are we doing this? Um, you have to deal with the people in the change and what they need, what their concerns are. And everybody, you know, different parts of the country, different technology comfort. You got to deal with the people. And then you have to have a plan. Uh, and the idea is that you communicate all of those things early and often. So to me, the biggest, so if I really were going to answer your question, uh, what's the most challenging aspect? I think it would be fear, the fear that people have of this change or any change, really. Yeah. Uh, what you first said when you were you know, introducing this answer, predictive information, I could not agree more with that because I think the more that a library is willing to jump in in the beginning and dive into that information that we can provide beforehand, that's where I see the most success. Um, the people who are a little more hesitant, that's where I see more of the caution to jump into things and hesitation. Yeah, and, and one, of the, one of the things that often happens in almost every change is that the people kind of at the kind of top of the food chain know it's coming and have been having conversations about it for quite a long time. Yep. And then they naturally end up thinking that everybody's thought about it like they have, uh, but it's not true. And this is just sort of a, this happens with people leading any kind of project or organization. So you feel like when you're the leader, by the time you've made the decision, oh, everybody must know why we're doing this. Uh, but the truth is, uh, they don't. <laughs> yeah. So, so who's ever sort of leading the charge ends up forgetting that everybody else is at step one when they're at step 10. Yeah. Do you ever think that the people who are supposed to be disseminating the information are maybe worried that giving people too much information will cause that fear as well? Do you think that's a factor that might play into that? Uh, yes, I do. In fact, I'm... Um, in my work now, I mostly do leadership development work, and mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing um, that comes up all the time. Uh, that people often kind of, I'm gonna just use generally leadership, which could be managers or anyone who's sort of in, in those position to, to um, affect other people's lives at work. Uh, they end up not really trusting their staff and feel like, well, if we tell them, uh, they're just going to get mad at us. Or if we tell them it's going to happen by February, but it doesn't happen till March 15th, then they'll tell us we weren't, weren't telling them the truth. So I always say you want to communicate early and often, and you need to build that trust so that when you're in the midst of these big changes, people trust you and trust the information they're getting. Uh, and then I often talk about, um, it would be great to have a place that deals with kind of the myths of what's happening and the, the facts of what's happening. Because when we don't communicate about these kinds of big like ILS migration kind of changes, then the rumor mill starts going and people have a lot of false information. Hmm. Uh, and But they don't really have a way to get the truth. And, and you know, that might even tie into the second question we were, we, we have is, you know, what we've seen is with any migration to a new ILS, uh, the key component to success, or one of the very key components to success, is getting the rest of the team 
in the library to buy into that change and that decision. Um, if you don't have staff buy-in, you know, we've seen projects fail, even if the leaders are fully on board and motivated to make this happen. Um, what do you think are the best ways besides communication uh, to get that staff buy-in when undergoing changes that affect the staff's daily routines, you know, that they may be hesitant towards? Yeah, and I think, you know, the biggest thing is people need to know what's in it for them. So in training, we use the word with them, W-I-I-F-M. You know, so people have to understand why this thing is happening. So when we talk about the best ways to get staff buy-in, um, especially when it's going to affect every day, <laughs> their daily work, and then ultimately the customer's work, uh, is to maybe let them practice in small increments. Maybe let them talk to someone from another, another library who's been through it, who's basically had a good experience. Um, and just to be sort of super clear that this is what's going to get improved. Uh, and also, if there's things that aren't going to get improved, to be honest about it, to not let people discover that and then kind of use it against you. So I think this thing about sort of being super honest about, you know, we're going, we're doing this change because we're going to save a lot of money. We're going to improve our service. Uh, we're going to make work easier for staff. Okay, so now I just did that thing that most leaders do, which is I give you this kind of, these platitudes without any details that help me understand specifically what's going to be different for me. So part of it is to be kind of a little bit more specific about, you know, when you're trying to, um, you know, give uh, a parent and a kid on the same, well, that's probably not a great example because you probably don't do that. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, something that's actually a, a real benefit and being clear that that will change as a benefit, but also being clear about, you know, this other thing might get a little bit more complicated or confusing at first. Um, and I think, you know, the other thing is to, to try to remind people, remember when we changed the, um, you know, purchasing software and everybody was pissed off or, you know, before we did it and then for about a week when we first got it and after that, everybody loves it you know, sort of reminding them of times that were actually um, successes, even though they felt like uh, concerns at the beginning. So it's, it's not what you're doing, it's why you're doing it. It's got to be a lot of why. And once people get the why and they've bought in, now you don't, now you should be able to move forward easily. I mean, relatively easily. You know, and that's a theme that applies to, to many different um, areas of work, you know, not only in change management, but in sales in general, you know, which is what I do with Bywater, you know, look at Apple, think differently, you know, it's not, their, their logo isn't, we make computers and iPods, it's, we think differently, you know, it's not what they're doing, it's why they're doing it. Um, and that resonates a lot better with humans, I think. Yeah, and the, and the why for different people in different parts of the library could change. So again, I think that's kind of a leadership problem often is the thing that, um, the thing the leadership wants, the why for the leadership isn't necessarily uh, going to be sort of easily accepted by someone who's on a front line and deals with customers all day. You know, they just see the problems at, at their point of reference. So you've got to, you know, as someone plan, you know, which planning a change, which they should be planning the change, you've got to think about, you know, what's the, what's in it for me for each different level of staff, you know. So to not forget the customers, because otherwise they'll just complain, but, 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 but the customers, they're not going to like it. So you've got to be able to explain that part too. Cheryl, I like what you said about honesty, you know, being 
being honest with them about things that may not go smooth, you know, during the process and, and telling them, look, you may have a hiccup here or something may go wrong and preparing them for that because maybe something, a process takes more work, takes more hands that people have to work, you know, on it with. And like, it may be a rough patch. And I think sometimes when people go into situations, they go in guns blazing, like they want to make everyone happy. They want to make everyone comfortable and they forget to tell them some things may not always go smooth. And, and so I like that approach of honesty, like tell them where things might have a bump in the road. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel like, you know, we should be able to say to people, look, the first two weeks of this are going to be challenging. There's no yeah. questions. We're going to find stuff. So don't think it's done because we just implemented this new thing. It's not done until it works well. And that's going to take some time, you know, just to be super clear about those things. Yeah, we employ that on, on, um, in our migration processes in a big way, being upfront and honest on the most difficult parts of the migration, particularly with uh, the folio product that we're supporting now and the fact that, you know, it's, it's still being developed. And when, when we bring a new library onto folio, we are very upfront and honest and we say, look, there are certain things that aren't done yet. You know, you need to be fully aware that this is a work in progress and we're doing this together. It's not going to be totally smooth. And the response that we've gotten has been overwhelmingly positive, you know, because people know what they're getting into and they trust you. Yeah. I mean, any way you can build that trust, I think is, is uh, you know, enormous, yeah. <laughs> just enormous. I, I imagine that's why you guys have been successful actually, because you guys are just kind of so straightforward that it's, it's just nice to deal with you because you don't feel like you're dealing with a sales job or a, you know, it's that you actually care and want to get it done right. I mean, it's a pleasure actually interacting with you guys. Yeah. Thank Thanks. you, Cheryl. Thank you. Um, so we've talked about like the process, the, you know, aspects that may be challenging tips for people to, to do during that change process. What about times that you face when there's still people that are resistant? How do you manage those processes and times when an individual may still be resistant to the change? Saboteurs. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a, there's a couple of things when, you know, often this, this sort of 80, 20 rule that shows up everywhere is, you know, if you've got a couple of people that are really sort of naysayers, you know, one thing to do is sort of ignore them, but don't let them poison the well, so to speak. Uh, and, you know, just keep saying, you know, this is happening. This is when it's happening. Uh, and, and sort of that's, that's one way. And I'm, it's not, I don't advocate that. That's kind of the, after I've tried everything else, then that's my answer. Right. But before then, uh, you know, so that maybe you can avoid that situation is, you know, there's a, um, I'm spacing on his name, Robert, uh, the guy who wrote Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcer. He's got these three things that's, that are how you can keep people from getting sick from stress. <laughs> uh, and he talks about predictive information uh, and some kind of outlet or so, and social affiliation around kind of change and stress and some sense of control. So most of us in any kind of change, if we have some control over it, no matter how small, uh, we have a different experience of that change. So sometimes I think the people who are most resistant are those people who actually need some control about something to be comfortable. 
So if we can find some way to give them a small amount of sense of control, you know, or a job that helps them customize it, or you know, some something, um, you know, just that lets them know here here's what's coming and here's what you can do to make it work for you, if that makes sense. And I think in the context of your guys's work, does that make sense in the context of how you do your migrations? Yeah, it's like creating ownership. <clears throat> so it's not yeah. somebody else's idea; it's mine, and I have more control over this than I originally thought, right? Yes, exactly. And, and I would always be trying um, for those kinds of things before I just kind of discounted them. On the other hand, I have commonly seen that, you know, sort of the one squeaky wheel, the one loud voice who's sort of negative all the time, or at least they're labeled that way, uh, you know, that we pay too much attention to, their, to them. And I would say that we don't want to do you don't want to spend all your time dealing with the most resistant person. Um, yeah, yeah. I've seen many, many times if you, if you get that person involved and get them to have that sense of ownership, not only will they no longer be a saboteur, but they could in many times be your biggest advocate and, you know, you're one of your most um, productive members of the team. Um, if you can get over that hump, which isn't always easy. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting because in, uh, you know, I do a lot of workshops on communication, a lot of teamwork, um, a lot of being fully engaged with your customers and with your staff, again, and a lot of leadership work. And uh, I, I recall one of the trainings I was doing where uh, an older woman, you know, well, actually, probably she's my age now, uh, you know, in her 60s, and um, She'd worked for this library for 25 years. And at the end of an, a listening exercise that we were doing, she said, I haven't been listened to like that since I was back in um, like a convent. <laughs> like she was talking <laughs> about some place that she had been where, uh, anyway, and I just thought, wow. And this was a person, by the way, this woman, I had been warned about this person prior to the training that she was gonna be really difficult um, and I, you know, I realized from that experience and other ones that often people just don't feel listened to. So the ones that are most resistant, if you just discount what they say and say, oh, that's not true. And you're always the negative Nelly or whatever the, you know, label is, but instead that you actually really listen to what they're saying, I think sometimes you can turn those people around. And again, Nate, I'm imagining that's what you guys probably do naturally. I wouldn't say it's natural, but <laughs> we make it happen. <laughs> you understand the, ne the necessity. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listening. I mean, that's when we're faced with those individuals, we listen and see what we can do to, to connect them. And, and it brings back to something you mentioned earlier, Cheryl, connecting them with another library who may have had those same, you know, reservations or c complaints, you know, sometimes once they're turned around, connecting them with somebody else that, you know, have the uh, same issues. Yeah. Actually, it would be kind of an interesting idea for you guys to have a, a list of the um, naysayers who, who turned, uh, you know, supporters <laughs> as, a, as, a, uh, as a last line kind of thing. Like, you're going to call my helpline. Here's my helpline. They work in another library. Talk to them. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, Cheryl, you just have some like really wonderful change management experience. And so we thought as like a final thought here, what piece of advice can you give our 
library listeners out there who are undergoing some massive changes due to the uh, current pandemic that we're all facing. Um, yeah, so this is interesting. It's a never before experience, this COVID-19 mm -hmm. COVID thing. Yeah. And one of the things that I'm going to say is in terms of a change that is kind of uh, an advantage or makes it a little easier with what's going on is that everyone's experienced the same thing because um, nobody's alone in this. And that is one of the that's one of the things that creates stress around change is that people feel like they're the only one this is happening to. In this case, it's happening to everybody. Um, and I, I'd say that my advice is to be honest and use this as an opportunity to build trust by creating open communication, uh, by creating kind of pathways for people to share with each other um, ideas. Um, you know, just, I mean, nobody knows what the right answer is to any of these things. Nobody knows how it's going to change people's uses of the library. And again, I, I actually, like to take really difficult situations and say, you know, there is, there's a pony in here somewhere, as they say, you know, there's a needle in this haystack uh, and it's going to be something positive, you know, that will, will sow something beautiful. It's just in the midst of it, that's not what it feels like. But again, I think with this thing being so big, I do believe this is a trust building opportunity because everybody recognizes that we're all in this together and that it's super challenging. Um, so I'm going to say this is a trust building opportunity and, and the best way to go about that is open communication and letting people have a sense of control and a voice in what happens next and also being painfully honest about who's making the decisions. Because uh, again, that's a, that's a uh, potential trip hazard, which is we tell people we want their input, but then we're not actually going to use it. So you got to let people know. Um, who's gonna who are gonna be the final decision makers about these things and what what is the sphere of control people have you know I've got a lot of gratitude that we've been a, a virtual web-based company um, for 11 years because you know the actual change to our work processes as a company has changed but not to the extent that most people have to deal with it you know um, we're kind of used to this environment if not the fact that our families are now home with us, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the biggest change that I've had to kind of swallow is that I'm not alone uh, in the house when I work now. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, um, we got a lot of gratitude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, I um, appreciate that you're doing these uh, webinars and keeping in touch with your, your folks. Uh, I, Again, I always appreciate any time I interact with you guys and love what you're doing out there for the library world. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. All right. Cheryl, thank you for joining us this week for another session of The Library is Open. Nate, thank you. And to all our listeners out there, take care and stay safe.